15 to 23. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Wow, thanks, Chris. That was phenomenal. What a voice. Thank you. So Bob is going to come and speak to us, and I'm just going to pray. Great. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Father, we just pray that you would inhabit Bob's words as he speaks to us. We ask for your power. Yeah, Father, would you capture our hearts again with your glory? Amen. Hello, good afternoon. How are we? All right? Great. Um, well, for those of you who I haven't met or I don't know, um, hi, I'm Bob. I'm fairly new here, um, so I'd love to get to know you if I haven't met you or don't know you yet. Um, and um, I am... I love this passage that we're about to look at today. So if you've got a Bible with you, um, now's the time to get it out. If you haven't, and you've got something on your phone where you can look at the the passage, then that might be helpful to have out as well. Um, Because we're going to try and dig into it and really draw out of it some of the the riches of the text. So, um, and um, I'm I'm going to make an apology, um, but hopefully it's not too too much of a bad thing. Um, My apology is I'm not really going to help give us a lot of application for the passage today because it feels like the application that we have is kind of given to us in in Paul's writing in this letter which is uh, we're going to pray that we are going to join with Paul's prayer for us as the church and we're going to join in that prayer so the application that we're going to kind of draw out of today is we're going to pray the same prayer that Paul's praying for us does that make sense so if you're finding it hard to to like ground or you're like Bob this is a lot of 
uh, a lot of theory or a lot of, um, hopefully not a lot of hot air, but, you know, um, a, lot of, a lot of stuff that you're throwing at us. Just keep bringing it back to, we're going to pray this together, okay? That's going to be our application, not just once, but hopefully as a church, we're going to keep praying this prayer over and over and over again. Um, so John started unpacking for us uh, last weekend at Super Sunday, which I loved, by the way. Does anyone else love Super Sunday? Yes. I was utterly exhausted by the end of Super Sunday. I don't know if anyone else felt like that, but I, I'm, I think it was like the largest social thing I've been to in, or most of us probably have been to, right, in two years or so. So um, I was definitely catching up uh, with that as an introvert. But um, anyway, I was exhausted, but I loved it. And, um, and John was unpacking for us um, some of Ephesians chapter one, so the, the early part, the bit that comes before, the bit um, that Chris just read for us. And, uh, and what Paul's doing in Ephesians First of all, if you, if you don't know about Ephesians, it's this letter that Paul wrote to probably what was a group of churches. So it was a circular letter that would have gone to multiple different churches. And we've got the kind of copy here that's, been, that's gone to the church in Ephesus. But it probably went round to a few different churches. So it's applicable to loads of different places, loads of different people in loads of different contexts where God's doing loads of different but similar things as well. So it's for us today in that way. We can really grab hold to so much of what Paul's writing in this letter. It's for, it's for us today. Um, and, uh, and John started unpacking for us. Basically, Paul in, in Ephesians chapter 1 starts like telling the church again, like, remember what it is to be a Christian. Remember the treasure box of stuff that you got when you became a Christian. And then he starts to unpack the treasure box now, we, uh, we in our household, we have a, a five-year-old and a three-year-old, and I imagine the treasure box like their toy boxes. You know, when they go to unpack the toy box, it's not like one thing gently comes out at a time and is placed in a particular place, and then another thing is drawn out. When our kids go through the toy box, the thing gets tipped over, you know, it gets spread out across the carpet, and it's like, whoa, all this stuff that we've got to play with, you know, and they start delving into it, picking bits up, looking at it, what have I got here, what have I got here? And it's a bit like Paul is starting to do that with the Christian life, with the treasure trove of what we've been given in Christ in this first chapter of Ephesians. So you'll notice as we read through the book of Ephesians together as a church, the phrase in Christ comes up again and again and again and again. In him, in Christ, with Christ, through Christ. It's all pointing back to Jesus and what Jesus has done. So Everything that we talk about today is in, through, with Christ. Okay, we have to keep coming back to that as well. And in that first part that John was unpacking for us, he's talking, uh, Paul is talking about the way that God has blessed us, in verse 3, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So we've got, this is like the treasure trove. Every spiritual blessing God's given us. That he's given us a family, the church, that we're adopted, that God has become our father in and through Jesus Christ. That he's given us a kingdom in Christ. That he's given us the Holy Spirit, the down payment of, of the Holy Spirit through Christ. And that there's an imperishable inheritance of glory for us in Christ as well. So, so even at the beginning of this letter, we've already like, we've got so much to kind of like get our heads around and be like, what on earth does that mean? What is an imperishable inheritance? inheritance? You know, what does that mean for me today? But this is the next part of the letter. And um, the next part of the letter starts to sort of like pray into what Paul's been unpacking. 
Okay, so Paul's been unpacking this stuff that John spoke about last week. If you haven't listened to that or you weren't Super Sunday, I encourage you. It's on, I think it's online on the YouTube channel. You can get there. But this is the kind of the prayer that goes with what was unpacked last week. Okay, in this church, I don't know if you've ever received a prophetic word, but if someone gives you a prophetic word, like a word of knowledge from God, they'll often give you the word and then they'll pray it in afterwards as well. They'll like, they'll ask God to really like make clear or make it, make clear what he's saying. And it's a bit like Paul's doing that. He's unpacking something, and then he's praying it in for us as well. And, um, and this is a prayer, the prayer that he prays. is like, the best way I could think of describing it was a bit like, um, when we take our kids to, um, to we, we quite like going to Budley. Does anyone else like going to Budley, Salterton, to the beach? Yes. That, yes. Got a few nods and smiles for Budley there. Budley, my, my, our children, since we moved down here in the summer, they, they really like Budley. Phoebe, particularly, the five-year-old, loves Budley. And if you were to watch our family um, at the beach, uh, you would notice uh, like one or two things. First of all, uh, Tabby will be in the water very quickly. She loves the water. And Phoebe will be closely behind her, if not already ahead of her, in the water. Fully submerged, splashing around. Phoebe can't even swim yet, but she so loves the water that she just wants to be in there and, and sort of like enjoying every aspect of like being in the water and throwing a bodyboard around and splashing in the waves but if you were to watch Libby our two three-year-old now um Libs is a little less confident of the sea at the moment and she will take a step back at Budley down the steep slope she'll take a step back and she'll just dip her toe in she'll like paddle around but she doesn't really want to get immersed yet she's just not really like ready for that and um and in fact if you try and encourage her she'll like you know bite you or something you know um so so paul is is kind of like it's it's a bit like paul is saying to the church guys before you is an ocean of the goodness and the riches and the glory of god before you right now don't be content with paddling in the glory and riches and goodness of God that is before you. Don't be like Libby, although she'll get there eventually. Be like Phoebe or Tabby. Dive in, get in. And what he's praying for us here is that we would be immersed in the goodness and the truth of God. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, definitely, confession time here, there have been times in my walk as a Christian where I've gone, is this, is this it? Like, have I got this all yet? Like, have I really, it feels like there should be more. And of course, the answer to that question is, of course there is, right? Because if an, if an infinite God who we worship and love and adore is the one we're heading for, it's our destiny, you know, it's in him, then there's always going to be more of an infinite God to explore more truth to discover, more of his goodness to be immersed in. And so I just want to encourage you today, wherever you feel like you're at in your journey, there's more. It, there's, there's a way to go deeper and further, and we're going to unpack some of this um, today. So I, I've kind of, the only way I could think of doing this was to put up a washing line and to put some things on it that just help us unpack what we're, what we're doing, okay? So bear with me um, if this seems slightly odd. But Paul prays at the beginning, that God might give us, as the church, a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Okay, so, so if you look at that, 
Um, what verse is that in? That's uh, verse 17. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So that's just the Holy Spirit. And Paul keeps asking God that he would give us the Holy Spirit, that he would give the church the Holy Spirit. It's an ongoing thing. It's not like he's asked and he's given and that's it, job done. There's an ongoing asking. Paul keeps asking God. God, give them the Holy Spirit. Give them the Holy Spirit. Give them the Holy Spirit. And for us, there's something in that for us to learn that our job's not done when we've received the down payment, but we, we need to keep going, God, give me more of your Spirit. Fill me afresh. Fill me again. Fill me over and over and over with your Spirit. Keep going back to God that he may give you the Holy Spirit. And the reason that he prays that, he tells us straight after, is the end result, hang on, is that you would know him better. Okay, so this is like, this is the prayer. That God might give you the Holy Spirit. Can you see that in the balcony? Just whoop, yeah, great, yes, I'm getting some nods. Okay, that God may give you the Holy Spirit so that you would know him better. So that's why he's praying. That's the kind of overarching vision of why he's praying for us to receive the Holy Spirit again and again and again. But then, inside the prayer, we get the kind of unpacking of what that means for Paul. What Paul's actually starting to talk about when, he, uh, when he's praying this for us. And, um, and, and I, I love it. He, he basically is praying into this word. He's praying that the eyes of our hearts might be enlightened so that we would know. So that we would know. He's praying that the Holy Spirit would fill us. We'd receive the Holy Spirit so our hearts could see that we might know something. Now, when the Bible uses this word know, it's quite an interesting uh, way that the Bible uses this word know. Um, in, in, in the Old Testament, the word for know is the word yada, the Hebrew word. And, um, and the word, to, so to, the word yada is used in a load of different areas of, of, uh, of the Old Testament. And in fact, if you look at the, the, the King James Version, um, anyone like the King James Version here, like going to that? Yeah, a few, okay. I, I saw yesterday, I was at a uh, uh, National Trust place and um, in this huge house, and in one of the rooms they had this huge, um, uh, like um, the, the huge Bible uh, the, in the King James Version. And it was like, it was all bound up. And you know, like the, when you see something, you're like, oh, I shouldn't touch that. But everything in you is like, I really want to open that up and see what it's like. You know, I didn't, just so you know. Don't get me, I'm not in trouble with the National Trust or anything. But if you look at the King James Version, the word yada is used in some interesting places. It says that Adam knew, Adam yada, his wife, and they conceived a son. That Adam knew Eve and they conceived. Now, when the Bible uses the word know, we don't really have in the English language a word that kind of goes far enough to describe what, he's, what, what, what we're getting at. 
it's not just like something in our heads that we're talking about here, like a, an academic knowledge that we hold or attain. We're talking about a knowing that's like experiential, that's rich and intimate and deep and lived out. That's the kind of knowing that Paul is talking about when he prays that we would know these things, okay? It's not just something for our heads, it's something for our hearts, but it's based on being lived out. So whatever comes next in the prayer, he's praying that we wouldn't just understand it in here and in here, but it would be lived out in our lives. So what does Paul want us to know? Well, he prays that we would know, or that we would, (coughs) excuse me, that we would know the hope to which we were called. Okay, that's the first thing he prays for. So I'm going to call this how you got here. Okay? Paul wants us to know and to live out of a place of knowing how we got here. How did we get here? How did God get us to this point? Now, has anyone ever watched um, uh, Who Do You Think You Are? Yeah? Yeah? Uh, um, that, that show where they kind of look back over, usually, it's usually a celebrity, isn't it? And they look back over their, their life and then who they're connected to, and then they go back generation after generation after generation. Does anyone love that stuff? I love that stuff. I'm I'm fascinated by it. Recently, Tabby, I'm going to drop you in it here, Tabby came downstairs this week infused about an episode of Who Do You Think You Are that she's watched. She, I mean, she couldn't have been more excited about it. She wanted to sit down and watch it right there, and apparently Josh Widdicombe, has anyone else seen the Josh Widdicombe? Yes, there's some nods, yes. Josh Widdicombe, who knew it? has a very interesting heritage and history. So that's one to watch. iPlayer tabs, is it available on iPlayer? Yes, I think it is. iPlayer? Yeah, yeah, I'm getting the nod. Okay, available on iPlayer. Go and watch it afterwards. Anyway, we love knowing, don't we, how we got here or what's in our history, what goes back before us that kind of feeds into who we are now. We love like, uncovering that stuff and unpacking it and realizing how we got here. And, um, and Paul is kind of like pointing to this fact that this is actually an incredible place that we need, to, we need to really live out of in order to be the church that he's calling us to be. He prays that our eyes, the eyes of our hearts are opened so we would know how we got here, who we are. And particularly this word calling is really important, that we've been called, that God has called us. And up on the balcony as well. God has called you by name. Psalm 139 says he knows everything about you. That's part of who you are and how you got here, that he's called you by name. In Matthew it says even the very hairs on your head are numbered. That's who you are to him. You were made in his image we are his offspring. God knew us even before we were conceived, we're told in Jeremiah. He knew us. He chose you when he planned creation. God chose you when he planned creation. Every day of your life is already known to him. 
This is part of who you are. This is part of what is in your heritage, your history. You are loved with an everlasting love. His thoughts towards you are countless, as countless as the sand on the seashore. He rejoices over you with singing. He'll never stop doing good to you, for you are his treasured possession. He gave everything and the very best that he had for you. And in Christ, we are a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here, we're told in 2 Corinthians. John said earlier, in Christ, we have become the righteousness of God. That's who we are. That's how we got here. God called you. God called you by name. God made you, formed you, loves you. And Paul is praying that the Holy Spirit would fill us, that we might know and live in that truth as the church. Sometimes when these um, things drop in my, in my life, I don't know about you, when you wake up in the morning and you remember, oh, you know, it changes the way you kind of step out of bed and the way you go into the office or whatever you do. It's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's who I am. That's who I am. And Paul's saying, I want you, I want the Holy Spirit to fill you so that your eyes, the eyes of your heart might be enlightened to this, that you might know it. There's a bishop of Liverpool called J.C. Ryle. And he said this, assurance of who you are and your salvation makes you as bold as a roaring lion and as light as a soaring bird. I love that. All right, number two, we'll speed on. Paul prays. That the Holy Spirit would open the eyes of our hearts to understand where we're going. He says that you might know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Colossians says this, Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your new life, or your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's Colossians 3, 1 to 3. We are hidden with Christ in God. That's where we're going. We are going to be with him forever. A.W. Tozer is one of my favorite, um, I love reading what A.W. Tozer writes. And he prays this prayer in the book, The Pursuit of God. And at the end of it, he just finishes with this line. I love it. He prays, oh God, make heaven more real to me than any earthly thing has ever been. Make heaven more real to me than any earthly thing has ever been. Paul was praying that we don't just know who we are and how we got here, but where we're going to. That we are going to be with God forever. Forever and ever. Because he's called us. Because he loves us. Because he's chosen us. That's the church. That's what he wants to see living in the church. And three. He wants us to know what you've got. He says that you might know his incomparably great power for us who believe. 
that you might know, live in, not just know, but live in and live out his incomparably great power for us who believe. I remember someone telling me when I was younger, um, a, a rather eccentric Greek man by the name of Mike Lavarchi, who some of you will, have know, will know and have heard of. I remember Mike telling us, uh, telling a few of us, he was like, in his eccentric way, you know, he was like, the Christian life isn't just hard. You know, it's not just difficult. It's not just agonizingly costly. It's impossible. And then he just like left this pause. And you, I was like a teenager at the time, and I remember thinking like, well, thanks, you know, what are we all doing here then? You know, if it's impossible. And then he said, but with the Holy Spirit, with the power of God at work in us, we can live supernaturally. We can say yes to things that other people can't say yes to. We can say no to things that other people can't say no to. We can step into things that other people can't step into because of the power that's living in us. And what is that power like? Paul explains it um, in, the, in the passage that we read. The, the power that's living in us, that we hear that power, is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. That is mind-blowing. That the same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead and then seat him at the right hand of God is living and active in us. And Paul prays that the eyes of our hearts might be opened, that we might know, that we might live and experience what it means to walk in that. And why is he praying it all? So that we would know him better. The whole end of being in Christ. To know him better. That we might live for him. To his praise and his glory. And that is what Paul is praying for us. I'll leave you with a little passage from Romans and then we'll pray. Romans 8 says this, And Christ lives within you, so that even your bo- though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, then you will die. But if through the power of the spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. For you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. For if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering.
What's Paul saying in these words? What's Paul saying in this prayer? He's saying that he wants us, the eyes of our hearts be opened, that we might live in the truth of where we, how we got here and where we're going and what we've got as God's people. And that's the prayer that he prays, not just for the church in Ephesus, but the church that this letter goes to in loads of different places, that we know who we are, where we're going, and what we've got. And we keep praying that too. So why don't we stand, and we're going we're to apply what I've just been talking about, and we're going to pray. We've got five minutes before the, um, the kids' groups end. So um, why don't we just take a minute just to be still, and we're just going to ask, we're going to pray Paul's prayer. And sometimes it's helpful if you, um, just, to, just to, to, to make an act, a physical act of what you want to receive. Sometimes it's helpful just to put your hands out or your hands on your heart or something. Just be like, God, I'm, in, I'm into this. I want to receive this by your spirit. And then we're just going to wait for a bit and Jacob's going to play a song over us that uh, it's an oldie, but it's a goodie. Um, so feel free to join in as we wait on the Lord or just to receive as Jacob plays. But let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Holy Spirit, we pray you'd fill us afresh. You'd fill us anew. That you'd open the eyes of our hearts. That we might know. Really know. Not just in our heads. But Lord, to experience the truth. To live in the truth. Of the hope to which we've been called. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And Lord, we want to be a church that moves in those things, that knows who we are, that knows where we're going and that knows what we've got. And so Lord, come, fill us afresh, open our hearts, do what you do and only you can do. Breathe on us afresh, we pray. Thank you, Lord.